שלום עליכם, ערב טוב. We are at the top of page Lamed רבן יוחנן בן זכאי, רבן יוחנן, the son of זכאי, ורבן שמעון בנו של הלל, and רבן שמעון, the student of הלל, the son of הלל, קיבלו מהלל הזקן ובית דינו. They received an oral tradition from הלל and his בית הדין. We spent the bulk of the last end of the summer discussing Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai and his life and his legacy and everything that has to do with Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. Unfortunately, Rabban Shimon, the son of Hillel Zaken, is a very difficult person to find information about. I was so surprised at how little we know about Rabban Shimon, the son of Hillel. It's almost like we know more about his son and his father than we know about himself. And something tells me, and this is just a theory that I'm throwing out there, something tells me that when you are living in a generation of a person like Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, no matter how great you are, you still get overshadowed. There's a beautiful song. It's not a Jewish song. I don't actually know all the words of it. I don't even know the title. I heard it once. About a man who saying to his wife, but what it must be like to live in someone else's shadow. And Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai is not intentionally overshadowing his counterpart, but you cannot help but assume that that's likely why someone from such an illustrious family, whose father is so famous, whose son is so famous, but he himself... We only know as the counterpart of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. There was a Christian historian a few hundred years ago who assumed that this Rabban Shimon is not the same Rabban Shimon the Rambam misidentified this Rabban Shimon. Obviously we accept the Rambam over any, even the Jewish historian, but especially a Christian historian. Nonetheless, I would be very grateful to anybody who can dig up information for me about Rabban Shimon, the son of Hila. The son. The son of Hila. They're, they're also students of Hila. But the son of Hila too. Now Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, we left off with a very interesting teaching from him. Right before he passed away, I want to read it to you again. I, I don't know exactly where in the packet that I sent you last time it is. So let me just read it to you from the Gemara, and I will explain it to you without you needing to look inside. The Gemara in Masechet Berachot. On page 28. records that incident that we discussed in the last Rambam Shiu, that right before Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai dies, he tells his students a few things. One of them was, if only a person would fear HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way that a person fears somebody else. You look two ways before you do something in public. Imagine that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching you all the time, you would look much more than that. And then, right before he passes away, Bishat Petirato, Immediately before he leaves this world, Amar lahem, he tells them, Panu kelim 
take out all the vessels, the cups, the plates, the bowls, everything here in this room that will receive Tumah once I die inside of this house. Because as you know, Tumah is contained in a structure and a person passes away. The things that can receive Tumah inside of the house will then become Tameen. He says, take them out of the house so that they don't become Tameen. And prepare a chair for Chizkiyahu, the king of Yehuda, who is coming to escort me. And last time I left off that this sentence requires intense Agadic study, not for this shiur. We'll get there eventually. Well, 28 pages away in Brachot looks like a lifetime for me. But we'll get there. Nonetheless, there are many parallels between Chizkiyahu HaMelech and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. One of the greatest ones that I can think of is that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, like Chizkiyahu HaMelech in his day, and of all the kings to greet Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, why Chizkiyahu HaMelech? Why not somebody else? And normally we would see this as a, cue, a clue that there's some type of connection between the two of them. Chizkiyahu HaMelech single-handedly saved the Jewish people in his generation. He saved the Torah, he saved observance of the Torah, study of the Torah, he did that, though, in a way that wasn't always popular. Anyone remember what Chizkiyahu HaMelech has critiqued greatly by the Navi for? He does something that the Prophet finds to be politically incorrect. He makes a peace treaty with a non-Jewish nation. And that lets the Prophet loose on him. How dare he make a peace treaty with them? It seemed almost that Chizkiyahu HaMelech was losing a little bit of his nationalist identity. He was giving in somewhere where he shouldn't have given in. It's interesting that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai faces similar opposition. You can imagine. The last scene that we have of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai in his lifetime is when his students are smuggling him out of the borders of Jerusalem to meet with the Romans. And make what kind of deal with the Romans? What does he tell them? He says, take Jerusalem, but give me Yavne. Yavne and its sages. And we spent much time in the summer talking about the relocation of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the headquarters of the Jewish nation, to Yavne. You can imagine what people said behind Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's back. What kind of traitor gives up Jerusalem? The capital city? The eternal capital of the Jewish people? For what? To save the Torah? Who needs the Torah if we don't have a nation? This war is far from being over even in our generation. But I cannot help but wonder if the same the same Chizkiyahu HaMelech who gave up so much in the public eye to save the Jewish people, we know today that he did. Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai felt a kindred spirit with him. This is a man who, if anyone understands me, then my predecessor, Chizkiyahu HaMelech, would understand me. But the first part of the sentence is an interesting one. Get rid of the vessels so that the house does, that they don't receive Tumah. He's about to die. What's he worried about right now? He's worried about the cups? About the bowls? What's going to happen? How much does a bowl cost? A cup? He's not a poor man, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. 
Well, he, so, so then he should just say, let them be destroyed after I die, or let make them pure again if it's possible. Why is he concerning himself? It's like he's concerning himself on one hand with Chesiyahu, that's such a huge thing. And then he's concerning himself with like little petty things like the cups in the house. Well, he knows that his stuff is not going to be his soon. It's going to be his heirs. So it's like he's not, he's not just concerned about his own money, but it's really somebody else's money, in a sense, or soon will be. So he cares about other people's stuff. Do you remember somebody else who went back to go take care of little cups and bowls and plates? That was Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu. Very good. Yaakov Avinu also goes back for pachim ktanim, for little utensils, and all kinds of reasons given there why he went back for the little vessels. So Tzadik cares about every penny that he owns. So cares about every penny that he owns. This is something fascinating. Harav Kuk here, in his En on this piece of Talmud, it's a beautiful piece that's very long. I'm going to summarize it for you now, and you can discuss it later amongst yourself. Harav Kuk says that there are certain leaders in the world that are considered very lofty, spiritual, idealistic people. And because they are that way, they often lead the people in incorrect directions because they don't have what they call feet on the ground. They don't really understand what's happening in the reality around them. I can imagine right now certain big people that are considered the leaders of the Torah generation. Yes, very much this way. So what happens here? These leaders tell you do this or don't do that or make this decision or that decision. Sometimes you wonder, this person has no idea what they're talking about. They have no clue what's happening on the ground. Halaf Kuk says that leaders like that, that are so spiritual, that they're disconnected from reality, are very dangerous people. Of course, of course. This is a big problem in Am Yisrael. It's not a new problem, unfortunately. Halaf Kuk says that there's another type of leader. There's a type of leader that is so great, but is also concerned even with little cups and plates and bowls, like Yaakov Avinu. He's a man who's in the clouds, but his feet like his ladder, are firmly rooted on earth. This is an ideal Torah leader. And sometimes when he makes decisions to focus on the clouds instead of on the ground, it's not because he doesn't care about what's happening on earth, it's because he realizes that whatever benefit will happen to the people is better when focused up there than down here, or vice versa. Sometimes he'll make it as a who? Yaakov Avinu could be spending time connecting to the creator of the universe. He's running back to pick up some bowls. For whatever reason that I'm not familiar with, Yaakov Avinu knows that strategically it's worth losing slightly in his avodat Hashem of the moment in his Torah and whatever he was doing to go back and involve himself in the physical reality of this world. Those are calculated losses, strategic losses that Chachamim who have their heads in the clouds but feet firmly rooted on the ground are able to make. Chizkiyahu HaMelech was that type of leader. The Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai was that type of leader too. When he's giving up on Jerusalem, it almost looks like he's giving up on everything in this world. He's giving up on the, the nation of Israel to rebuild some spiritual headquarters in Yavne. There are people who are challenging his decision. Remember, he begins blowing the shofar on Roshana, on Shabbat, in Yavne, in front of the Sanhedrin. Harav Kuk says, this though, is the personality of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. He doesn't have to win everything. He loses battles in order to win wars. And this is something that not every leader knows how to do. 
Sometimes leaders try to win every single battle and ultimately they lose. Yeah, sure, they put in good work, but at the end of the day, what was it worth if you lost everything? I want to share with you something private. I didn't ask his permission, but that's okay. He'll forgive me later. I want to share with you That's exactly right. I want to share with you a picture. In 2003, my father and mother sent me to yeshiva. And uh, they bought me a book to go with them. Uh, to go with me, something to study in yeshiva. And I guess my father was concerned a little bit with my need to fight every single battle in the world. And so he wrote to me the following words. In 2003, Do not forsake the Torah of your mother, the wisdom of your father. We will miss you, but are happy that you took the bold path of growing to Torah Masim Tovim. And here's the famous sentence Pick your fights wisely and keep your internal fire burning. This sentence has stuck with me in all of the years since I went to Yeshiva. Pick your fights wisely. My father's here right now, so I can tell you, the wisest man I know is my father. And it's a very good sentence. I don't always live up to it, by the way. I don't always pick my fights wisely, but it's there, you know? It's like when you know you're supposed to be doing something right. Picking fights wisely is a wisdom in and of itself. In war, I mentioned to you battles and wars, generals that are good generals make decisions strategic losses, we're going to lose that place, we're going to lose that land, we're going to lose this, doesn't make a difference, because we don't need that. If we hold on to that, we're going to lose everything. A person has to know that in order to lead, not everything looks like success. Success, you only know at the end. And leaders like this, like Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, who at the same time that they're worrying about Chizkiyahu HaMelech coming from another realm to take them out, Show the people, I didn't forget also about the bowls and the plates of the room. I'm not disconnected from physical reality. He's a wholesome person. This is the wisdom of a man like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. This is the turning point of Jewish history. If Ezra HaSofer was a turning point, passing over the baton of leadership from the Kohanim to the Chachamim, he himself, a Kohen, who becomes a Chacham, if it's Hillel Azakel and his transformation of Judaism, if it's Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai and his transformation of Judaism, every one of these leaders made very bold and very controversial decisions. In their time, they were not considered mainstream. But they made decisions that only because of their decisions is the Jewish people still around today. And sometimes in our history, we forget. We forget that if we would have always done things the way we always did them, you and I wouldn't be here anymore. It, were the, it was the Chachamim, those Chachamim, specific Chachamim, who were great enough, not disconnected from the earth, but also not disconnected from Shamayim. Unfortunately, in our generation, we have another type of scholar. And that is one who is completely disconnected from heaven and knows everything that they need to know. Everything is some kind of intellectual endeavor. But Yad Shamayim, connection with the Kadosh Baruch Hu, they don't have. And they also make decisions to change things. But both of these leaders 
are completely disconnected from one reality, either that of heaven or that of earth. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai is the one who says, I'm not disconnected from anything. I'm the one who knows how to lead the Jewish people forward. And this is a character trait of his that Rav Kook illustrates. Sometimes I wonder if Rav Kook himself felt like some kind of kindred spirit in this mix. He himself was accused so often of giving up on Torah values in order to preserve the Jewish people. As one Hasidic Rebbe said about him, the love of Israel that Rav Kook has has caused him to become insane. I actually spoke about that recently, not all agree that that's the right way to interpret what Rav Kook was saying. This, these, these young men that were doing sports that Rav Kook is speaking about, I'm just saying a, another variation. He, he did write that, exactly he wrote that. I spoke about this, someone remind me when, on a Sudash Tashit maybe, I spoke about it, someone asked me a question. Rav Kook said that the young boys that are running and exercising on Shabbat, that those are the ones who are bringing the Mashiach, yeah? He mentions that, and it led for many people to Rav Kook is saying that, playing sports on Shabbat is somehow bringing the Mashiach. He lost his mind. You have to remember that before the codification of modern Hebrew, so the way that modern Hebrew is spoken, practicing, exercising, is also the same word used for all kinds of military preparations, training for war. Fuku is saying that the young men that are preparing, even though they maybe shouldn't be doing it on Shabbat, but the young men that are preparing for battle to fight for the land of Israel, to bring the Jewish people independence in their homeland, those people will bring about the Mashiach. He viewed that as a positive thing. Nonetheless, one of the students of Arav Kuk, after he passed away, he said about Arav Kuk that he was an Ezra without a Nehemiah. He brought this huge revelation on how to approach a modern state of Israel, but there was no one truly to continue his footsteps. I'm sure his family or his students would disagree, but this was an observation of one of his students. I think Abuziel had it even worse. Whereas by Harav Kuk, there were some that purport to continue his tradition. Abuziel didn't even get that. He himself, the rediscovery of Abuziel's writings in our generation is something very special. It's very unique. And I'm very grateful to live in a generation where that's happening. But if you were walking around 20 years ago in the Jewish community, you wouldn't be able to find yourself a copy of any of his books. That's where we were. I want to stick to my schedule, but I also want to make sure that we begin already tomorrow night's class. So do me a favor. Let's read one part of the pamphlet that I sent out to you, and we'll leave the question hanging, and tomorrow we'll give all the answers to the question. So open the PDF that says, uh, it's from Nachalat Avot, and the title should be The Five Students of Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakai. Something of that nature, correct? Uh, the Shulchan Aruch of last season we're going to use, but the PDF is there. It's in the it's in the thing. So the Rambam is about to tell us that there were five students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. Let's look still on the Rambam. The Rambam writes, Chamisha Talmidim Hayul Ola Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakkai. There were five students of Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakkai. Vehem Gidolei Chachamim Shekiblu Mimenu. 
And they are of the greatest Chachamin that received the tradition from him. Ve'eluhem, and these are their names, says the Rambam, Rabbi Eliezer Agadol, the great Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoseh HaKohen, please don't call him Yossi, he's not your friend Yossi, his name is Yoseh, Rabbi Yoseh HaKohen, Rabbi Shimon Ben Netanel, Rabbi Elazar Ben Arach. These are the five students of Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai. Now you find them mentioned again, really previously, in Perkei Avot. This is where the Rambam is getting this statement from. In Masechet Avot, in the second chapter, different editions have different letterings for the Mishnayot, so I can't tell you exactly if it's Yud Aleph or Yud or something around that area. And now in the writings of Rabbi Yosef Masas in the PDF, we're on page 362 at the top right of the page. Chamisha Talmidim Hayulo Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai. Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai Hayulo had for himself, that literal translation, five students. Ve'eluhen, and these are these name, their names. Rabbi Eliezer Ben Hulkanus. Notice that he calls him in Pakavot, Rabbi Eliezer Ben Hulkanus. Rambam calls him Rabbi Eliezer Agadol. Same person. Rabbi Yoshua Ben Chananiah. Rabbi Yoseh Kohen. Rabbi Shimon ben Netanel, Rabbi Azar ben Arach. These are the students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. Rabbi Yosef Masah starts off with the following words: Morai ve'rabotai, b'Shabbat zeh and b'Shabbat b'Siyatad Shmaya, with Hashem's help, Amarti the Daber al Chamisha Talmidei Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai Kadosh zechuda zechuda says, I came to speak about the five students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. Now if you remember, these are the speeches of, Rabbi, of Rabbi Yosef Masas on Perkei Avot that he taught his community seemingly in the city of Haifa. We've stopped speaking about Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai in the last Shabbat and it's now time to speak about his students. You must know that Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai Hamid Talmidim Lalafim he had thousands of students. Hamid literally means to raise up thousands of students. If you remember the first Mishnah Prakavot, Hamidu Talmidim Harbe, you have to raise up students. That's the same language. Hen Bizmanabait, Hen Lachar Khuban Biyavne. Whether those were students that he may have had before the destruction of the Bir Mikdash in Jerusalem, or whether in his second part of his life when he was in Yavne. Until they say about him, if was not for him, the Torah would have been forgotten from the Jewish people. And that's exactly what Hillel, his rabbi, said about him when he passed away. The Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai is the father of wisdom and the father of the generations. And he says about him, the verse, that I will, this is a beautiful pasuk that's mentioned about Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. How do they say here that he only had five students? We know he had 5,000 students. How could it be that they say five students when he really had thousands? Now, it seems like he had five and no more. Now the Rambam already gave you an answer. What did the Rambam say? Erev, Tov, how are you doing? The Rambam gave you an answer. 
What was the Rambam's answer? Say, say the... Yeah, very good. They're the greatest sages who received from him. So from his students, these are the top five, the graduating class. Yes? Says Rabbi Yosem Asas that there's more than one answer. But in order to understand the answers that he wants to share with us, you have to ask one more question. Look at the next paragraph. Let's first explain a different And everything will then make sense once you understand this. That it says there were five students of Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai. Five. Literally, I told you. How do you read that? I keep closing my Rambam. Rambam uses the same language. Hayulo. How else could you say this sentence? What is it adding by saying he had for himself five students? should have said, had five students. Why do you have to use an interesting language? He had for himself five students. That would have been enough. There are five answers to that question, and those will be the same five answers for our first question. I want you to go home today and to think about Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai and the five students, and to think about the relationship between a rabbi and his students, and to come up with why, if a rabbi has thousands of students, there are only five at the end of the day that are counted. So we mentioned one answer already, which we can already say, that these are the greatest of his students. They're the greatest of his students. Okay, I accept that. Fine, let's leave it at that. But without Hashem, tomorrow night, I want to start off the shiur hearing from you first. What other ideas could possibly be that why Rabbani Yochanan ben Zakai only mentions these five students? And I'll tell you, it has to do with the words, he had for himself five students. Those, that question will answer the original question that we had. Without Hashem, for now, I'm going to wish all those who are staying with us uh, to please stay with us. And for those who are heading out after the Rambam class, Erev Tov, the school mitzvot.